Please stand for our call to worship. Moves among us, binding us in covenant with faithful people of every time and place. The Spirit moves through us, making us channels of God's love. Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, in the words of King David, we thirst for you. Our entire being longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Without you, Lord, we wither and dry up. We are empty and desolate, lonely and alone. We are here today 
in an acknowledgement of just how desperate we are, how tired we are, and how alone we are. Thank you, Lord, for being with us in this place of worship, for loving every person in this sanctuary, and for leading us every day of our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church, heart of Five Points South. We're delighted that you have chosen to be with us this morning. And whether you're a long-standing member or a first-time visitor, we're delighted that you've chosen to be with us here on this very special uh, Sunday when we celebrate the Lord's Supper through the ordinance of communion. Uh, if you would, there is a registration card in your bulletin. And if you would fill that out, that will allow us not only to have a record of attendance, but more importantly, to get a gauge on how our church can serve your interests and needs uh, in this community and in your own individual lives. Um, through this uh, registration card, which we've been doing for about three weeks now, uh, we've already started two Bible studies and are working on uh, another outreach project within the Five Points community. So your feedback is valuable. And thank you to all of you who have already filled that card out, and uh, we invite you all to participate in that if you will. Uh, a final reminder um, before uh, I'm done, Vacation Bible School will be kicking off a week from Monday, and we are now in the uh, final planning stages of that, trying to get everything where it needs to be. So if you are interested in participating through volunteering or if your children are interested in attending, um, please see me at some point today or contact the church office just so we can get a general head count on that. Uh, again, welcome to worship here at Southside. We're delighted to have you and we invite you to stand as we continue worship with hymn number 466.
remain standing for our first reading of Scripture this morning. We're reading from Psalm 138, first five verses. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. This is the word of the Lord. Right? I know there's some children here. Uh, yeah, I see three at least. Would you want to come down with me for just a few minutes? How are y'all today? You have a good day? Something's different, isn't it? Come on up here and sit beside me. Let's talk for just a minute, okay? And we're going to try to, um, come on, sit up here. Come sit right here. Sit up here with Millicent. All right. Well, I'll just have to sit up here with the two of you. Maybe next time, okay? Well, look, I'll, do you see something different up here today? Something different here, right. It's the table's not in the right place. I, uh, I saw uh, Abigail look over there and say, what's going on here with this table in a different place? Well, I want to have you look at something with me real quick if this will open up the way it's supposed to because we want to talk about I want you to just look at these pictures and then I'll let you tell them all out there what we're looking at because there's something really special going on here in all of these images they're sitting at the table eating that's right and some look at this what is that and it's obvious that they're they're very happy to be look at their 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 hands are clapping. Yeah. It's a celebration. It sure is. What you see a cake? What do you how do you know it's a celebration? Because um because of the lights and the cake and the tables sitting. That's what you do on a celebration. That's, That's what, what you it do looks on a celebration, like. right? That's right. All those things are you're absolutely right. Now look at this. Yeah. Is it is this a celebration? That's right. And they're coming forward like these you normally see on Sunday when we have communion. But then there's also, this is a, a picture. It's a, yeah, that's pro you've probably seen this in a stained glass window somewhere. 
It's the Last Supper. So it's a, a image that they would have seen certainly in the stained glass um, mirror. What a, you see all those, and what? What was it about it that that you really thought was especially important? It was. This last two were definitely about Jesus. The others were celebrations about people meeting together, and they had all their friends and some relatives and people from their neighborhood in some of these dinner when they gathered around the table, they were sharing, sharing a meal together and celebrating. Well, that's what we're going to do today, and we do so with that table that's set right there. You know, these other tables you said they're all pretty. Do you think this one is... Um, set so that we'd think it's a celebration of nations. What's, what makes it pretty? The, that's right, got the phrase back there with a cross on top. That's got the, it's got a little cup and a wafer on top. And, and I want to show it to you because I wanted us to be mindful of that today as we, you can come right here to the table and, and look with me. So what do you see in there? That's right. That's right. Now, that's, that means that we're going to have a celebration here in just a little while. It's a celebration where we receive the bread and the cup because Jesus told us to do so. Because when we remember him, it's the Lord's, it's the Lord's Supper. And we remember what he's done for us and how he's forgiven us. So it's a celebration. And today, Dr. Roxborough, when he preaches, he's going to preach on remember and rejoice. Because what did you say about the one party that really caught your eye, the dinner party? They were, they were clapping their hands. They were celebrating because it was a great day, right? So we want to remember this. Every time that we celebrate, when we receive the Lord's Supper, that when we do, well, we'll talk about that also a little bit later with your mom and dad. <laughs> but that's what it is. We receive the cup and receive the, the bread because it reminds us of what Jesus has done. It's a celebration. So we want to give thanks to God for that, but also for the fact that you recognize that celebration, that we rejoice because what Jesus has done. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for these two that have come forward here to talk about this celebration of communion. We thank you for that gift that we have that gift of remembering, that gift of celebrating, all of those things that go into us receiving and embracing the new covenant that you have provided for us. Bless these and all that are here. May we receive it in the sense that you intend us to have it today. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, thank you. pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your great faithfulness, your constant love, your care that goes on 24-7, and your desire that all will be well for all people. We thank you for the trust that you place in us, your people, charged with the safeguarding of young and old, privileged to care for our world, called as a church to work together in Christ's name as his body here on this earth within this community. Lord, you have warned us that a house divided against itself will not be able to stand long. So help us, we pray, that the church, which is one in the greatness of your love, 
may not be so divided by the littleness of our own love. May we become less preoccupied with those things that divide us, the better to concentrate on those things that we hold in common. Lord, you are the God of peace, and yet we live in a world of conflict. And we pray this morning thus for the freedom makers and the peacemakers in different parts of our world, including our own country, those who lay their lives on the line and lay their lives down often that others may live. For the brave who will not be put down, but who stand up and use their voices to stir governments and leaders to open their eyes and establish justice and peace within the world. Lord, we ask you to bless our families, our friends, our neighbors. Help us in all our relationships with them, and we pray that you would fill us with the love and forgiveness to any who have offended us. And may we receive them in love, acknowledging that we too have need of healing and pardon within our own lives. Lord, we pray this morning for all whom we love, who suffer in body, in mind, or spirit. May their pain be lessened, or may they find the strength to endure. Comfort them with your presence, we pray, and help them to hold fast to that which is good and not to lose heart. Merciful God, accept these prayers which we offer in the name of our risen and ascended Lord, who taught us to pray with boldness, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our second reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and reading from verse 23 to verse 26. Paul reminds the church in Corinth of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was a Sunday evening communion service in the Scottish borders in a small weaving community town called Galashiels, about 33 miles south of Edinburgh. And Margaret was waiting once again to allow the bread and the wine to pass her by. Her life had not been easy and she didn't feel worthy enough to take the bread or the wine because she felt she had disappointed Jesus so much. That night, however, something touched her, and she thought that if she was to let the bread and wine pass her by one more time, she would be rejecting the love of God out of her life. And so that evening, she took the bread, she took the cup, and in doing so, she told me afterwards, I trusted in Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. That experience often reminds me of when Jesus was with the two disciples in Emmaus, and through the breaking of bread, he made himself known, and they discovered that Jesus was no longer dead, but was alive, and their hearts, they said, burned within them. The place of communion within the early church is well known. The early church met often to remember Jesus. One particular occasion in Acts chapter 20, in a place called Troas, Paul waited several days in order to be there on that Sunday evening and to share the breaking of bread with the disciples. On the first day of the week, they met, says Luke, to break bread. And Jesus, when he instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, do this often in memory of me. It's one of the two things that Jesus asked us to do on a regular basis, to baptize and to serve communion. It's central in our life of faith because it reminds us over and over again of the fact that Jesus came to be incarnate, crucified, in order to give his life for our salvation. Paul reminds us several things in this brief passage of scripture about what it means to come to this table this morning. This table is an opportunity for us to remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Alex Haley's novel of the 1970s Roots and the TV series, you show your age when you say something like that, appealed to a whole generation of people to rediscover something of their roots. I remember sometime after that that I went myself to the archives in Edinburgh to delve back into my own family history, and I went back to the mid-1850s. I discovered that 
most of my family on both sides of the, the family tree, the Roxburghs and the Emerys, and I'm named after so many of them, Kenneth Boyle, Emery Roxburgh. Hated that, hated these middle names when I was a child, but now I value them because they speak of my heritage. And last year when we were in Salt Lake City for vacation, I spent a whole morning at the Mormon Family History Center tracing back two more generations to the 1800s. I discovered that my family, which I thought had always been coal miners, had actually in the early 19th century been weavers. Our heritage is important to us. It gives us a sense of our identity. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And as we do it, we remember, and we remember something of our spiritual identity, who we are in Jesus Christ, what he has done for us, what he calls us to be as his disciples. It recalls us to our roots, to recall, to recollect the importance of the cross of Calvary. Not that Jesus is dead, but he's living. But we remind ourselves that the risen Lord showed them his hands and his side to remind them of all that he had accomplished for their sake. To remind us, as we often sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We remember thus that the character of our salvation, that Jesus died, so as Paul says, that in Christ there is neither slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. In his book, Christianity Rediscovered, Vincent Donovan, who was a priest serving amongst the Maasai people in Africa, tells of the first occasion he served communion, the Eucharist, with the Maasai people. Up until that point, the Maasai men and Maasai women had never eaten together at the same table. In their culture, it wasn't something that was done. Donovan believed that that cultural understanding needed to receive the message of Jesus Christ, that in Christ there is no male or female, there is no slave or free, because we are all one. And he convinced the men of the Maasai people to sit with the women of the Maasai people around the table and take bread and wine. And Donovan in his book, tells of how many of the women came to him and said afterwards, the good news you have told us about has now become good news in our experience. And we need to experience that as well. In a society that continues to discriminate, the Church of Jesus Christ is called to understand its identity as those who are one in Christ Jesus not divided on the basis that so often our society is, to break down the barriers of our culture, to be, as we often remind ourselves as a church, an inclusive community of grace, 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 and not to discriminate on the basis of creed or race or gender or sexuality, but come to this table because amazing grace has saved someone like me and you. Communion reminds us of that. It reminds us of the cost to Jesus to bring us to this table. We come to communion to remember that all our hopes hang on him who hung on the cross for our sake and for our salvation. And it calls us to take up our cross and to follow him daily.
Communion is a hard thing to do if we take it seriously because communion reminds us that the body of Christ is broken so that we who receive the body of Christ into our lives on a Sunday may go out into his world to be broken for the sake of others and to share the message of his love wherever we find ourselves. It's a time of remembrance. Paul also says that it's a time of reconciliation, of being brought together. The church in Corinth was divided. There's no doubt about that. Divided over all sorts of issues. And one of the issues arose in the context of communion. It would seem that the church in Corinth often took communion in the context of a, of a meal. They would meet, they would share a meal together, kind of potluck Baptist supper, I suppose. And in the context, it showed their divisions. Those who were well off, those who were rich, would come early because they could get away from their work early. And they had the best of the food and the best of the wine. And they got slightly inebriated. And when those who were poorer, perhaps slaves, came later on, there wasn't much left for them to enjoy. Paul says, as you eat and drink together, you're eating and drinking judgment on yourselves. You're forgetting who you are, the body of Christ, united in Jesus. So he says, examine yourselves. Now, he doesn't mean examine our, yourselves individually, so much as examine yourselves corporately so that you might be re reconciled to one another, so that your differences might not be forgotten, but that you might realize what you hold in common, the love of Jesus Christ for you. Jesus says, when you come to the altar with your gift, remember, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift and first be reconciled to your sister. It's a time of reconciliation. It's a time also of proclaiming the good news to all who need to hear it. Paul says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. And the word he uses is the word for evangelion, evangelizing. It's an interesting use of that word evangelism. That through the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, we proclaim. We tell the good news of the gospel to all who will hear. That's what happened in, with Margaret in Gala Shields in the Scottish borders in the early 1980s. When I moved to my second pastorate in the north of Scotland in Fraserburgh, a fishing community, at a communion service one evening, I told the story of Margaret. Little did I know there was another Margaret in the congregation that night. She came from my hometown. She had been a member of a similar church within our own denomination. And she knew my family, or at least the family name. She had heard my father preaching in many occasions. And so she found herself in Fraserborough, knew that I was there, and came along to a Sunday evening service. She had drifted away from the church. She was suffering and struggling with alcoholism. And she came that night. When I told the story of Margaret, her ears picked up. It seemed to her that God was saying something about his love for her where she was. And that evening, 
for the first time in a long time, she took bread and wine and received Christ's love within her life. Maybe that's one aspect of what it means to you this morning to come to this table. Coming to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Coming to this table, not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Coming to taste the love, the grace, the forgiveness of our God. In order that we might rejoice as we come to this table. It's a Eucharist, the Greek word for thanksgiving. It's not a mournful occasion because we celebrate a risen Lord, a risen Lord who has been crucified but is risen and is among us and revealed to us by his spirit. We rejoice at this table. We offer our songs of praise, our fervent hallelujahs, because grace has been lavished upon our lives. Christianity is a religion of joy. Sometimes you wouldn't recognize that, but it is. The Christian community met in Acts chapter 2 and we read, they broke bread, a kind of short phrase that meant they celebrated communion. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Gladness characterized their life. Why? Because they had become overwhelmed with the love of God for them. It's a place where we find the assurance of God's love who says to us, take it, it's for sinners. And it's a feast that is filled with the joy of anticipation. Paul says, we eat this bread, we drink this cup, we proclaim, we proclaim the Lord's death until he come. The future hope is an important aspect for the Christian life. Hope in the midst of despair Hope in the midst of a life that doesn't seem to have meaning. Hope that gives us a purpose, gives us a sense of direction. Hope that is not kind of pie in the sky when you die, but hope that stimulates the desire to see the kingdom of God come here on earth, being done as it is in heaven. And so when we take this bread and we take this cup, we sense the presence of Jesus with us, but we look forward to that final, eternal kingdom of God. Wherever it will be and whatever it will look like, it fills us with a sense of longing and enables us to pray, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. Amazing grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. And so we come to this table to rejoice, to be reconciled, to proclaim the Lord's death to one another and to ourselves, and to rejoice in all that he has done and all that he is preparing for us in the eternal future. So I invite you, young and old, I invite you to come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Come, each one of you, not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to be here, 
because you all, like myself, stand in need of the mercy and the grace of God. Come, because you love the Lord a little and want to love him more. Come, to be with one another, but come to be with him who comes to you and allow your hearts to be burned with a sense of his love towards you. Come to this table. And on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he took the cup and he said, this is my body given for you. This is the cup of the new covenant, the blood of the new covenant shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. The deacons will come and serve us as we remain in the pews. And I invite you to take a waiver and a cup of wine and retain it and we will drink later on together.
Jesus kept answering. Closing hymn of dedication is four, six, seven. An opportunity to respond to God's word. We are one in Christ. Please join with me in prayer. Father Almighty, you have given us many blessings. We come to you today in thanksgiving. You have given us a home to take shelter in. 
clothes to keep us warm, food to nourish us, and water to quench our thirst. For through these simple gifts, you have showed us what it means to be generous. May we understand the power of giving. Please bless this offering in this church. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We have been reminded of how those two found their hearts burned, burning within them as they saw and experienced the presence of Christ as he broke the bread. We too have experienced that, the warmth and the love of each other as we have seen and looked in the eyes of each other. Today, as we conclude our time of worship, we want to also extend that even further by passing the peace of Christ to one another. 
you take just a moment to do so by greeting those close to you by saying, may the peace of Christ be with you. close our service this morning, I want to share with you a benediction from Julie Pennington Russell, pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. May the God who seeks you find you when you fall. May the God who loves you take delight in your living. May the God who sends you send you with new joy. For in your gladness and in your grieving, in your brokenness and in your healing, in your faithfulness and in your leaving, the God who made you and redeemed you is the God who keeps you always.